Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a series of programs on the subject of forgiveness, and today's program is a continuation of the previous broadcast. In the previous program, I was talking about confession in the context of a license to sin, and what I meant by that was that people are teaching others that they have a license to sin because the license describes the laws that a person needs to obey, and it also describes the penalty that people will experience in the event that they violate those laws. That's what I mean when I say that people are teaching people that they have a license to sin, because a license describes laws and penalties, and as I described in the previous program, the penalty that people normally impose on others is the penalty of confession. That is the normal penalty that people impose on others or that people assume upon themselves that if they sin, they need to confess their sins in order to obtain forgiveness. Now, the first thing that I really want to mention concerning this is that if a person believes that confession is the means by which they obtain forgiveness, then they have just reduced the seriousness of sin. What they are saying is that they do not take sin very seriously. That is what I really want you to understand, is that if you believe you can obtain forgiveness by your repentance, apology, through your confession, if that's what you believe, then you do not take sin very seriously. You do not believe that the wages of sin is death. You believe that the wages of sin is apology, is repentance, is confession. It is you who do not take sin very seriously. You do not believe that it is that evil. You do not believe that it is truly wicked before God. That is what you believe. And so I need to say that in order to encourage you to take sin very seriously, because if you do not believe that the wages of sin is death, then you can believe anything from that point. You can believe that the wages of sin is anything, anything other than death. But no, sin is so wicked, it is so evil, that it required the death of the living God manifested in the flesh as the Lord Jesus. Jesus was God manifested in the flesh. He dwelt among us, and he died for the sins of the entire world. That is how serious sin is, that it required the death of God. And so to suggest that you can obtain forgiveness in any other way outside of what Jesus has already done for you is a total lie. You you have to believe a lie in order to believe that you can obtain forgiveness in any other way. Now, when I present confession in this context, when I present apology in this context, When I tell people that there is no way that they can obtain forgiveness in that way, that instead they have to trust and believe that they have already been forgiven, there are a number of things that usually come to mind. 
usually the first thing that comes to mind is a specific passage in the scriptures, 1 John 1, 9. That is normally the verse that people initially think of when it comes to the subject of confession to obtain forgiveness, because the predominant belief in the Christian world is that if you sin, you need to follow the instructions that were given to us in 1 John 1, 9, in order to obtain forgiveness. And this is what it says. It says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How this is then used is it is used to say that if you sin, all you have to do is confess your sins and he is faithful, he is righteous, he will forgive you and he will cleanse you from all your unrighteousness. But if you do not confess... Well, then there may be an issue, and there are different perspectives concerning how people will approach that. But this is what people believe. In fact, there are many people who believe that this is the Christian life. I described this earlier as wandering around in the wilderness, that people will believe that their Christian life is about sin, confession, forgiveness. Sin, confession, forgiveness. People believe that the only way that they can live is by continually acquiring appropriating, getting forgiveness for their sins. Because, of course, they continue to sin and will continue to sin. And so when I say that 1 John 1, 9 is not the means by which a person obtains forgiveness, what a lot of people are going to hear from me is that they have no Christian life. That's how serious this is. That when I say that 1 John 1, 9 has no application for obtaining forgiveness for your sins. And what I actually mean by that is the sins that you commit after you have been saved. I will come back to this in just a moment. But when I say that 1 John 1, 9 has no application in a believer's life, then people will hear me say that they have no Christian life at all. Because it is true that for many Christians, this is the Christian life. You need to understand that and how threatening this is and how difficult it is for me to talk about this because of how threatening it is to people. There are many Christians who believe that their Christian life is all about sin, confession, and forgiveness. And when I take this away from them, they believe that they have no Christian life. And to be honest with you, if I was to be very direct, they don't. And that's the reality, that their Christian life is no life at all that they really have no Christian life, that they have no relationship with their God. I'll say it very directly, that if you believe that your Christian life is about 1 John 1, 9, you have no Christian life. Now, you may believe you do, and I understand that. That's fine. But from my perspective concerning what I see the Christian life is truly about, in comparison with what I understand about the Christian life versus what you understand about the Christian life, I'm going to tell you, you have absolutely nothing. You just don't. And so if you feel threatened, you should be threatened, because you are. You are being threatened by me suggesting that this has nothing to do with your Christian life. And so I wanted to say that up front and be very clear about it, because that's how serious this really is. Now, there are two ways that I can approach 1 John 1, 9. The first way is from an academic perspective. I'll do that first. And then the second way is to approach it by just simply reading through the verses. 
And what I'll do is I'll read from verse 8 down to 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. And I'll show you that there is a big difference between confessing your sins to obtain forgiveness and resting in the forgiveness that you already have, that you now have an advocate who will deal with your sins on your own behalf. That's the second way that I'm going to approach it. But the first way I'm going to approach it is from an academic point of view. I'm going to do this first just to address it from this perspective because I do believe it's extremely valuable. Some people really appreciate this. Some people do not. So if you don't appreciate this, just give me another couple of minutes and I'll explain to you what I believe just from reading the verses that are there. So from an academic perspective, we have to look at it from the point of view of the original language. Now, the original language, the language that this was written in was Greek. And I will tell you very directly that I am not a world-renowned Greek scholar. I'm not going to pretend that I am. I'm not. Instead, I'm going to defer to someone who is a world-renowned Greek scholar, someone who knows a language much better than I do. And so in this context, I'm going to refer to a professor of Greek from the Dallas Theological Seminary, where he has translated and he has interpreted 1 John 1, 9 in a way that is a little bit different from the English versions that we have available right now. And you shouldn't be surprised that there may be a little bit of a difference. The reason why you shouldn't be surprised is because you have probably heard some pastor, probably your own, on occasion mention something that sounds like this. And in the Greek, it says this, or in the Hebrew, it says this. Why do you suppose they would say something like that if the English had made it completely clear? There are some issues when translating from one language to another that will sometimes require you to refer to the original language in order to deal with disputes concerning the meaning and the intent of what was originally written. Now, this is his translation. This is Dr. John Best's translation of the Dallas Theological Seminary and his interpretation. He looks at 1 John 1, 9 in this context, that it says, I don't know if you are ever going to come to your senses and agree with God concerning your sins. But if at any time, today, tomorrow, or whenever, you should decide to turn to him, God can be depended upon to have forgiven your sins, and to have cleansed you of all unrighteousness. This is given in the past tense in the context of salvation, that if you will ever agree with God that you have sins, if you will ever recognize that that's the case, and you will turn to him, you can be the recipient, you can be the beneficiary, you can experience the benefit of the forgiveness that he has already given to you, that he has already given to you. How did he give you forgiveness? He gave you forgiveness by the death of the Lord Jesus on the cross. And when did that happen? That happened thousands of years ago. Thousands of years ago this happened. And so if this happened a long time ago, to say that this happened already should not be so much of a surprise. If this has already happened a long time ago, if this was the event, if this was the execution of forgiveness for humanity, if that's true, it happened a long time ago, which means that it has already happened. And so if it has already happened, 
then when you turn to the Lord for what he has already done, then you will be acknowledging that you have already been forgiven. And he can be depended upon to have forgiven your sins already. Because he did. The problem is, is that people don't recognize that. That's the issue. The the problem is not with God. The problem is with you. God doesn't have any problems. He's doing just fine concerning how he's living, the decisions he's making, and how he's interacting with the world that he created. You're not going to be able to pass judgment on him concerning any of these things. The issue is with us that we do not recognize that we have a need for forgiveness. And so if we don't recognize that we have a need for forgiveness, then his forgiveness has no meaning until we do. But when we do recognize that, then we can rest in the forgiveness that he has already given to us. So that's the academic approach. Let me consider the scriptural or the verse-by-verse approach of just reading through the scriptures. If I do that, all I have to do is go to the verse above 1 John 1, nine. The verse above 1 John 1, nine is 1 John 1.8. 1 John 1.8 says that if we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. Now let me read this one more time because I want you to recognize that this is referring to someone who says that they don't have any sin and they are deceiving themselves and the truth is not in them. This doesn't sound like a saved person to me. This is a lost person. Again, in 1 John 1, 8, it says, If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. Now, let me start from the end of this verse and go to the beginning of this verse. If the truth is not in us, if the truth is not in you, then that means that the Lord Jesus is not in you because the Lord Jesus is the truth. He is the truth. He is the way. He is the life. He is everything. And so if he is not in you, if the truth is not in you, chances are you're not saved. If you are deceiving yourself, chances are you're not saved. Because one of the indicators that a person is saved is that they don't live in their own fantasy, especially when it comes to sin. If a person says that they have no sin, this is a person who's definitely lost. I have never, I have never encountered anyone ever in my entire life. I have yet to encounter anyone who is definitely saved, who believes the gospel, who would ever say these words, who would say, I have no sin. I mean, from God's perspective, because of his forgiveness for us, we could say that. But to each other, in our own sinfulness, in the midst of our condition, there is no way that anyone would ever say such a thing. I know of no one. I've never encountered anyone. And if I do, then they will still be such an exception that I still could not consider a saved person ever saying anything like this. I mean, that is a total, absolute denial of reality. I will say very directly, I have sin. And so if you discover that I have sin, don't be surprised. I have sin. My God looks at me, looks to me, In the midst of my sinfulness, he sees me through the lens of the forgiveness that he has given to me in Christ Jesus. So because of that, when he sees me, it is as if I have no sin. 
But I am here in this world. And from my perspective, looking at myself, from the perspective of others, others looking at me, they can see I've got plenty of sin. There is plenty of sin for everybody. Everybody's got some sin. And so to say that you have no sin is a total denial of reality. The only people that I've ever encountered who have suggested that they have no sin that needs God's forgiveness, I have encountered people like this. The only people I have encountered are people who are lost, who reject the gospel, in many cases reject the very existence of God. I believe he's referring to lost people in this context. Now, I understand that he has written this letter to a group of people who are considered to be Christians. But, you know, in any assembly, there are saved people, there are lost people, and even those people who are saved, who would be the recipients of this, they will have relationships with lost people who will be suggesting to them that they have no sin. There certainly is a lot of opportunity for John to reach out to them through this letter, even though it was delivered to Christians. But for him to say this, if we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us, I believe he's definitely referring to somebody who would be lost in that context. If that is true, though, if a person is in this condition, what do they need to do? They need to acknowledge that they have sin. That is the only way that they will be able to acknowledge that God has forgiven them of their sin. If they don't acknowledge that they have sin that needs forgiveness, then to say that they have forgiveness doesn't mean anything. It will be totally meaningless. So if a person can make it that far, if a person can make it far enough to see that they have sin, then they are no longer deceiving themselves. Then the truth that they have sin will finally be in them. But that's still not enough. you got to go to the next verse, which is 1 John 1, 9, which says, if we will confess our sins, which means if we will agree with God concerning our sins, if we will agree with him and acknowledge that we have sin that needs to be forgiven, then he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But this is in the past tense or in the present tense of the acknowledgement, not the future tense that you will then be forgiven in the future. You will be the recipient of a past forgiveness that you have already received because of what he did. You will be the recipient of the forgiveness that he has already made available to you, and he made it available to you in the past. So 1 John 1, 9, this is it. 1 John 1, 9 is the answer to 1 John 1, 8, which should not be too much of a surprise to you. Read 1 John 1, 8, then read 1 John 1, 9, and you will see that 1 John 1, 9 answers the issue that is presented in the verse above it. That if you are lost, if you do not acknowledge that you have sin, all you have to do is acknowledge that you do, and you can be the recipient of the forgiveness that he's already made available. But if you won't, then you can't. Now, even if you do receive the forgiveness, even if you do acknowledge that he has forgiven you, you are still not saved. You must understand this. You are still not saved if you recognize that he has forgiven you. You must receive the free gift 
of the life of God, the Holy Spirit, His life, you must receive the free gift of His life that will dwell within you eternally because there is no sin that will cause the Holy Spirit, the life of God, to depart from you ever again. You must receive the Holy Spirit so that He will resurrect you from among the dead. It is forgiveness that makes salvation possible. But forgiveness is not salvation. Salvation is the restoration of life that had been lost in Adam. I explained this in a previous program, so I'm not going to repeat it in this one. Now, if this is the case, then what happens when you have been saved? What do you do? This is an important question to ask, and I'm going to talk about this next. What do you do if you sin? Well, there's only two things you can do. The first thing is to find a way to obtain forgiveness. And that simply is not going to happen. So while we could look at that as an option, it's never going to be accomplished. So there's only one thing left, and that is to be thankful and to rest in the forgiveness that you have. Let me put it to you this way. There was no way that you could obtain forgiveness before. There is still no way you can obtain forgiveness now. If there was some way that you could get forgiveness outside of what Jesus did for you, then you could have done that. If there was some, again, if there was some way that you could obtain forgiveness outside of the death of Jesus on the cross, then Jesus didn't need to die on the cross. You could have done that. But there was no other way. There was no other way. You need Jesus. You need Him. And if anyone brings an accusation against you, ever again, then all you have to do is point them to him. And he will be the advocate on your behalf. What will he say? He will say, it's finished. It was finished a long time ago. And so you could definitely do nothing before, so you can definitely do nothing now. You still have to depend on him in the event that an accusation is made against you. And if you understand that, you can understand 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, where he said, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is now an advocate on your behalf. So you decide, do you want to deal with your sin on your own behalf? Or do you want the Lord Jesus to deal with your sin on your behalf? You can't have it both ways. You must acknowledge that you have to depend on Him. Because if you don't, you're not depending on Him. You're not trusting in Him. And that's the point. You have one of two possibilities here. The first possibility is that if you sin, you confess your sins to obtain forgiveness. And that certainly is not real. Or if you sin, Jesus will be an advocate on your behalf. The only way to reconcile these two verses is to understand that 1 John 1.9 is to an unbeliever and 1 John 2.1 is to a believer. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. 
Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Thank you, man.